Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Welcome to this very special podcast episode, listener. And today I'm joined on the final episode of this series. Now, don't get me wrong, listeners. This series hasn't been short. We've been going for well over 250 episodes. But I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, somebody who started off as a client and we built such a strong relationship over the years. And today we're going to talk a little bit about my journey on this podcast, the journey that Harling and I have had on the podcasting together, but more importantly, the choices that he has made along the way with regards to going digital nomad and going around the US uh, and and further afield, you know, doing all things digital. Uh, today, I'm joined by Harlan Hammock. Welcome to today's podcast, Harlan. Thanks, Simon. It's great to talk to you, as ever. Yes, and and. Obviously, we need to ask where you are at the moment. This is something every time I have a call with you, I, I ask, you know, which city are you in? Which town are you in? Which time zone are you in? Tell us a little bit about you as in the person of Harlan and where you are at the moment. Yeah, currently at the moment, we are back um, home uh, near family uh, here uh, just south of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so we're home for the holidays, as they say. Um, as far as who I am, I... Uh, I was a management consultant for almost 30 years, um, became a business coach. That's where you and I met. You were yeah. my business coach for over eight years. And uh, yeah, just having a great life. And now we, my wife and I, over the last two years, we've been roaming around the U.S. as that, digital nomads. Is that how long it's been? Two years? Yeah. yeah. Wow. March will actually be two years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So before we... We start talking about the journey that you and I have been on together, uh, podcasting your journey with the the digital roaming. Tell us a little bit about how you take your drinks in the day, what you drink them in. You know, I've got my usual sort of large mug of coffee here. Tell us a little bit about what you've got and, and what you drink during the day. I always have a large cup of coffee. Uh, my morning is coffee and then the rest of the day is usually water. Um, okay. Yeah, I enjoy a good uh, whiskey or scotch in the evenings. Sometimes, mm-hmm. not often, but sometimes. And uh, yeah, but coffee is definitely in my blood. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I was stood in the queue in the post office on Saturday, and I was sending a Christmas card to some friends that used to live near to us, and they've moved back to Lapland. And Two, two reasons I mentioned this, listeners, uh, because one, I was stood in a queue and we were talking about the length of the queue and how difficult it is at Christmas. And, and I recalled the story of sending you, Harlan, a bottle of quite special uh, Scottish malt whiskey <laughs> via the post. And it never got to you, did it? I got a notification yeah. saying it was stalled somewhere in some sorting centre in the US and it never got there. So, uh, yeah, and I was reminded of that love that, we both have for malt whiskey uh, when I was recalling that story as well. Um, the other thing I mentioned was when I gave to the till person the letter, I said, I want to send this to Lapland, and it's not a letter to Santa. <laughs> 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 I 
I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm not selling it for a kid. I'm not selling it uh, on my. It's not. It's going to some friends. It's not going to Santa. But uh, give me an idea of what your favourite sort of whiskey is. You know, have you got any particular one that you would rather reach out to than any other? Um. So uh, there, there's a brand uh, distillery um, by Bob Dylan. He has his okay. own distillery, and really? there's uh, a whiskey yeah, that he makes and a rye whiskey uh, called Heaven's Door, and right. that's really I really enjoy that Heaven's Door. Heaven's um, Door, oh, I see. That's Heaven's on the list then. Yeah, wow. you got to try it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, we uh, in our travels we did the Bourbon Trail here in the U.S. around Kentucky, and so we got to sample a lot of the different whiskeys around. So there, there are a few of the smaller batch whiskeys that that I enjoy. Um, yeah. yeah. It's it's fun. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I think you know, a bit, a bit like we've talked for the whole of this series on coffee, and we've had people do all kinds of varieties of coffee, teas, mushroom drinks, soft drinks, water variants. Yeah, you know, I think it's the same with whiskey, isn't it? You know, we I think we have our taste, and it's not always being a connoisseur of it, but actually we drink it because we like it. You know, sometimes I think you know we. We get lured into this trap of drinking something because we feel we should drink it right. because it's well known or it's it's a good brand or it's something that somebody's recommended. But actually, we drink it because we like it, don't we? That's the most important thing. Well, the thing that my wife and I do when we buy books, we don't buy books that are recommended necessarily by people. We look yeah. at the cover, and if the cover is intriguing, we'll we'll buy the book. Yeah. Um, the bottles you go into the the uh, liquor stores here and all the different bottles the shapes and colors and the, the labels and everything like that we may find something that catches our eye and we'll try that just because yeah. it's something different i think i can move just behind me there i've got one of my favorite bottles and that's daddy rack yes okay and yep, that is one of my yeah. favorite labels uh, and you can't get it over here anymore uh, well certainly in the stores i go to you can't get it anymore but uh, yeah it was it was okay it was a nice drink but the label yeah. was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, love that. Well, the the, the scotch you sent me, the Albemarle, is that what it was? Yes, yes, yeah. It, yeah, that was that yeah, was that was the one that got to you, wasn't it? it yeah, that one. The one that didn't it. get to you was one of my favorites, and that's that is why well, it is my favorite, Glen Turret, which is uh, yeah. my, my favorite, which is the somebody oldest, is enjoying it. Distillery. <laughs> yeah, somebody in yeah somebody in a dry state was drinking it somewhere, thinking that's going nowhere, <laughs> but here exactly. So, so we started on the podcast journey, uh, probably similar time. You know, I just set up my podcast, you want to do it, and we we sort of work through this together. And you know, I've I've over two hundred and fifty now episodes recorded, and we've met some incredible people. In fact, you know, you've referred me to some great guests as as well. What would you say has been the highlight of that podcast journey that you've had, and any? Any lessons you've learned along the way that perhaps you'd like to impart? I, I just loved having the conversations with people. Um, yep. I love asking them kind of what got them started on their journey. You know, where did they make that decision to become an entrepreneur, if that's what it was? Or where did they come up with the, the idea that, to write a book? Um, yeah. What inspired them? So I love to hear those stories. And uh, like I said, had some amazing conversations with people. Uh, one guy was an ex NFL football player here in the US. Um, uh, another guy trying to overcome his um, fear of rejection 
um, started a whole thing where he could go out and ask people, you know, questions that most people would probably turn in him and say, no, absolutely not. But that was preparing him. And a lot of times people said yes. And so he had some amazing experiences with them. So yeah, I just love the conversations with people. So let's give it a little bit of a plug then. Where do people okay. go to find your podcast, Harlem? My podcast is out on all the major carriers. Uh, the podcast is called The Courage to Lead. Um, so I ask the questions, what does it take uh, to be a leader and, and um, what inspires you to lead? Yeah. And who are some of the leaders that you um, emulate or, or try to model yourself after? Yeah. So yeah, The Courage to Lead is available on Apple iTunes and um, all the other major outlets. Yeah, great. And, you know, Listeners, I mean, one of the things, you know, we've talked about this before, Harlan, you know, the, looking at why you do a podcast is really important. And some people do it for visibility, credibility, and obviously if they're trying to make some money out of it through advertising. For me, my podcast was about delivering value, just as I know yours is, about putting the guest into the spotlight, which I think we've both done a pretty good job of doing. Um, and mine very much was about getting the hero authors. You know, you mentioned the books that you read, getting the hero authors, the business hero authors as guests onto my podcast. And I had a top 10 list. And actually, I've got three on there that I've still not managed to, to get. A couple I've got close to. And this series is going to finish without getting those final three on. But one thing I will do, um, I don't think we spoke about it, Harlan, but my next series, I've decided it's not going to be a 250 episode series. It's going to be a shorter series, but I'm very much targeting those hero authors. So rather than ask if anybody wants to be a guest, which is what I've had, and don't get me wrong, I've had some incredible guests, um, but I'm going to be very specific on saying, if you want to be on my podcast, I'm going to spear them, harpoon them, and get them as a guest on the podcast. So it's going to be a very limited number, probably about 15 guests, Excellent. and yeah. just have 15 episodes where uh, we put the, the hero authors into the hot seat and ask them nice. some questions. So, uh, yeah, look out for that in, in 2024. Absolutely. Probably Sounds mid, great. mid to fall in 2024 is when that's going to come. So the other journey that you've been on, and this is a journey that I do admire uh, because, you know, we've got horses, we've got sheep, we're very much tied to where we live, and even vacations are, are a challenge. Digital nomad. Tell us yeah. how that started and just give us a, a bit of an overview of what that's been like for, for you and your wife, Lisa. Yeah. So, I mean, roaming is nothing new, right? We've had roamers throughout history, people that uh, move place to place, either following the, the seasons, following uh, their livestock, following the, um, the different crops around. Um, so people have been doing this forever. Um, our journey started uh, about a little over two years ago. My niece and nephew were roaming. They're 20-somethings or were 20-somethings at the time. They were traveling around. Um, their, uh, the apartment that they had out in San Jose, California was so expensive. They didn't want to renew their lease. And they thought, you know, we hear of these people roaming, right? Uh, moving from place to place, still working online. And so they started doing it. And they were telling us all the different adventures that they had. So my wife and I are sitting there looking at each other going, you know what? Everything we do is online too. Why are we sat here in Atlanta when we could be doing what we do anywhere? We'd be in the mountains, we could be at the ocean, we could be, you know, the rivers, waterfalls, wherever. We could do this. And so we decided, we made the decision, we sold everything, uh, downsized to one vehicle, which is a, a four-door Jeep Wrangler. Um, we put a lot of stuff in storage, uh, gave a lot to uh, charities, and then just 
got rid of the rest. So we have a small storage unit and we put basically our clothes and our computers in our car and we hit the road and we just started driving around. We would stay in Airbnb properties and we'll stay about a month in each location so we can actually get to get to know some of the people and some of the places around. Um, as management consultants, we would travel to a client site, right? And then back to the hotel, back to the client site, back to the hotel. We never really got to see the cities. We decided we wanted to go back to some of those cities to actually see the sites, the historical um, areas that were there. Um, there may be uh, athletic um, sporting events or something. We wanted to see hot air balloon you know, events that we want to see. So we tried to base our travels around those things that we wanted to see. And we get our work done and then we take off the rest of the afternoon and go exploring. And I think that for me is what makes your story unique and different to some of the other people because some people do it because uh, they have been displaced through all sorts of things. And obviously the pandemic meant that some people were stranded in different countries. Um, some people do it because they just are following the sun, uh, you know, or the snow, whichever way around you want to do it. Exactly. But you, you did it very intentionally to have the experiences, didn't you? So it wasn't just about keeping on the move, it was about going places, like you said, with the, the right. Bourbon Trail, the Hot Air Bloom Festival. It, it was to go there and have those experiences and memories. And I know you've taken lots of photographs on yeah. the way. Um, and, you know, it's even been a cruise to Alaska, wasn't it? Or an Alaskan cruise, sure. whichever way you want to yeah. put it. Have there been any times when things have hit the rails a little bit or something's happened that you thought, oh, how do we deal with this? Because dealing with things when you're traveling as you are is different to dealing with than when you're at home is it you know is there anything that's sort of being an obstacle to overcome um uh, getting getting used to the traveling getting used to staying in different places um now we had again management consulting we would travel the country right fly into places so we were used to doing that living out of a hotel but going then now into airbnb properties staying in somebody's home or or their their guest house whatever it was we had a couple of adventures. Uh, one of the first places we went to was down in Jacksonville, Florida. And we had a great little property. It was close enough in town that we could walk to everything. We could walk to the beach. We could walk to the grocery stores, to you know restaurants and everything. Yeah. The one thing we didn't know is, now this was a, a guest house above a garage. The family lived in the house to the front of the property. So we were in the back um, in this, uh, you know, above their garage. There was construction going on next door. So here I'm trying to do a podcast. My wife is trying to be online doing her uh, conference calls and everything. At about eight o'clock in the morning, the hammers would start, the saws would start, and everything would go. So it made for kind of an adventure there. Um, we went to Durango, Colorado. And the place that we were staying above Durango was at a high altitude. Well, altitude sickness is a real thing. And we didn't really pay much attention to it. My wife had gotten over bronchitis. Uh, she was taking some medication that made her susceptible to things and then the high altitude, lack of oxygen and stuff, she had seizures. Wow. And which was scary. Here I'm in the middle of nowhere. I, I have no idea where I am. The address that I was given to find the property on GPS was not the address you give to uh, the ambulance to get there. So they couldn't find us. And so I'm here with my wife, you know, passed out on the on the on the floor for what seemed like an eternity. I bet. That was scary. That was scary. Yeah. Um, but honestly Every place we've been has just been amazing. The people have been great. The the sites, you know, the 
places we've seen uh, the exploration and it's just been it's just been great great experience really really enjoyed it yeah. and you even stayed in a cave didn't you and yeah I, I remember yeah. you sending the photos of that I mean that was quite a unique accommodation wasn't it yeah and that was something I'd read about where other roamers had stayed in in caves so I started looking around and we were close enough to New Mexico that uh, I looked it up and and we made a, uh, an arrangement with a guy it was a cave that um, the guy that owned it was a geologist and he thought that would be cool to have his office in this cave. And so we originally boarded out to be his office. That didn't fly too well. People didn't want to hike down the side of the mountain to get into his office and everything like that. So we turned it into like a small Airbnb. And so we got to stay in this, this cave about four or 500 feet above uh, the desert floor. And it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. So what, what is this journey that you've been on Harlem? What do you think it's actually contributed to the person you are sat in front of me now what kind of difference has it made what lessons have you learned just explain to the listeners a little bit about the the impact it's had on you yeah um and lessons learned is something we used to do in consulting all the time when we got done with a project we would do a post-mortem what did we learn from this project what could we do differently next time yeah some of the things we've learned is uh, we've learned a lot about ourselves that we are flexible we can adapt to different situations, even when things aren't working out great. You know, you see pictures of a, a place online when you get there, it's not exactly as it was built. We can adapt to those things. Um, the uh, people all around the country are generally nice and helpful. Um, yeah. We've met some some great people and, and, and had great conversations with people as we've traveled around. Um, we've learned that we don't need all the things that we currently have in storage. <laughs> We've done without a lot of things, right? We're staying in Airbnb. So almost everything that we need at the house was there at the house. But there's a lot of things that weren't that we have in storage. It's like, do we really need that stuff? You know? So we may be even scaling back a little bit. Um, once we decide to settle down, uh, the, uh, we had to be conscious of the room we have in our Jeep. So if we bought something, we would have to get rid of something of equal size, right? To, to make sure that we maintain. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of little things like that. The national chain restaurants are boring. Don't go to national chain restaurants. You know, here they're everywhere. You drive down a, a main road and you see the exact same restaurants everywhere you go. We find the little mom and pop place, the little tiny, yeah. you know, cubbyhole type restaurant. We ask the locals, Hey, where do you guys go? And we try to go to those restaurants. So we've had some amazing, uh, uh, dinners and, and breakfasts and lunches around. Um, yeah. So that's been, that's been kind of cool. So in all the travels that you've had, are there any places where you have put a pin in it and said, we need to come back here? Mm. Yeah, there are a few, a few places. I like the Southwest. Um, I grew up in Southern California, so I'm used to the, the weather and everything down there. We had some amazing times down in, uh, Austin, Texas, and San Antonio, Texas, Las Cruces, New Mexico, um, all through Arizona. All those places are, are just, to me, they're, they're magical. I love the, the, the scenery and everything like that. The national parks down there, driving around through um, Arches National Park and some of the places, just great. Um, Asheville, North Carolina is beautiful from an artsy standpoint. Yeah. Um, lots of arts and crafts and homemade things. So that was neat exploring. And then Charleston for the, the restaurants. That is a foodie's heaven. Is oh, going right. to Charleston. Is it, yeah, right. 
Yeah. So there are a lot of little places that, that we would yeah. definitely go go back to. Yeah. Everybody's scribbling these places down. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, you you actually had more of an exotic stay. Uh, was it Costa Rica you went to? Yeah. Tell us a little yeah, bit about that and how that fitted in with the plan. Um, we wanted to try because a lot of people travel internationally and uh, as, as nomads, right? Um, we had to stay kind of within the, the U.S. time zones just because uh, Lisa was working for companies out on the East Coast. So we wanted to stay somewhere relatively close so she was on the same time zones with them, could have meetings and everything. But we thought, why not South? Why not go to Mexico or someplace like that? So we looked around and we decided on Costa Rica. And we did not drive down there. We flew, um, yeah. but we spent a month in Costa Rica. And we were in a, a nice little uh, cabana. We were about two minutes walk from the beach, two minutes to downtown Samara in yep. Costa Rica, and just amazing. Yeah, yeah. And and it's interesting because there's probably people listening to this that are thinking, "Wow, I'm so jealous of that." Uh, <laughs> and you know, it, the places are one thing, but you've mentioned the people several times mm -hmm. and how friendly they were. What what friends have you picked up along the way? What relationships have you picked up along the way? Um, well, Costa Rica is a good example. We had uh, getting ready for our trip to Costa Rica. Uh, we started watching a lot of videos on YouTube and we watched some videos of people who were staying, living right where we were going to be in Samara. And so they were taking us on tours of the town, showing us the different sites, showing us some of the restaurants. We were walking down the street in Samara and we met those people <laughs> that oh, were online. <laughs> so we actually met them and, and went over and, and talked to them, thanked them for all the help. And they, they had helped us um, with a couple of the tours recommending different tour things for us, even though they didn't know us and we weren't staying on their piece of property because they had uh, some uh, property with, that they were renting out. But they were just so nice. And all the restaurants, we met uh, two restaurant owners uh, there in Samara and we went to their restaurant multiple times. Just the the nicest people, you know, you'd, you'd want to meet. And they, they would spend time sitting at our table talking with us and everything like that. They'd offer, you know, different things for us to try or taste. Um, they had a, an event for a local um, animal shelter where you could pay, you know, your little ticket to get in. And they had a, a cocktail uh, class teaching you how to mix cocktails, how to mix the different flavors and everything like that. And it was all for charity for this uh, animal rescue. It was just it was fun. You know? And those experiences. Yeah, those experiences you don't you don't get just just staying home every night, you know. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Go out somewhere and try something different. Who knows? You know. Yeah, and I suppose you know we'll, we'll come back to the animal shelter in, in a moment and animals generally because I know there's been a significant addition to your family. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's not that. She's she's small. <laughs> she's small. But you know, for many people traveling and experiencing that, you know, it's how you capture those, isn't it? You know, you've talked about the lessons you've learned. Um, you know, and some people will do it via video, some people will do it via blogging, some people will do it via taking photos. How have you captured all of this? And you know, or is it just is it just in your memories? Tell tell us a little bit about how you've captured that. I'm uh, I love taking pictures. You know, I'm, yeah. I view myself as a photographer. I'm really not, but I've got a great camera on my phone. Um, so I I like to take a lot of pictures. So that's my way of capturing those events. Lisa journals. She's been journaling since she was young and, and just journals everything. So she wrote down a lot of things, took some amazing photos herself. Um, we started a website with my niece and nephew 
um, and started putting blog posts out there and, and videos and things like that. We haven't kept up on it as much as we wanted to because we we're just enjoying, you know, our time out. Uh, but yeah, we're trying to capture those things. I memories are important to me, right? Yeah. And and remembering where we went, what we saw, and how we did things. Um, that's important. So I try to capture those as much as I can. So not too much videos on our part, but a lot of photos. Yeah, I almost, I mean, we love taking, I mean, Angela in particular, my wife, she loves taking photos of the dogs and, you know, have to stand in front of something with the dog. Um, but I almost feel that I would need to do everything that you've done twice. Because mm. I think if I thought too much about recording it and doing it and capturing it, I wouldn't then enjoy it. So I'd almost have to go through the enjoyment of it then go back around and take the memories of it. But yeah. then it wouldn't be quite the same, would it? So I can see that's a bit of a, a, a balance of getting the, yeah. the capturing and the enjoying at the same time. Yeah, and we didn't always get that balance right. There were a lot of times where we got back in the car and left someplace and it's like, ah, oh, we didn't get any photos. You know, yeah. um, we tried to start off, I, I don't take pictures of my food. A lot of people do. That's look at the amazing meal we had. Yeah. I would get halfway through the meal and think, ah, oh, should have taken a picture of this, you know, because this is like the best meal I've had. So we aren't great at that balance, but we we tried, you know, taking yeah. uh, pictures of the cocktails that we had, the meals that we had, the the place when we were in Costa uh, Costa Rica, we'd sit right on the beach and have these amazing meals and just watch the mm -hmm. the waves come in and everything. And uh, yeah, it was fun. So so tell us about the new addition to the family then and how that came about because that was a bit of a surprise <laughs> for for most of us listeners at know holland that was a bit of a shock to to, yeah. to see the uh, the addition to family so i'll let you tell the story we uh, so as as we were traveling one thing that we we would love to do is wherever we were if somebody had uh, a pet with them we would acknowledge the pet right go down get our little dog fix or whatever uh yeah. playing with the animals and, and we started talking when we come off the road can we get another dog? Well, yes, we had two dogs uh, for, they're about 15, 16 years old. Uh, when we, you know, uh, had to have them uh, put down because of medical problems, we missed having a dog. We missed, yeah. you know, playing with the dog and everything like that. So we talked about when we come back in off the road, can we get another dog? And the more we talked about it, it's like, well, could we travel with a dog? A lot of people do. Could we do that? Yeah. So we started looking online at some of the rescue. Um, I've, I, we refuse to go to a, a puppy mill, a store yeah. to buy a dog. We want to rescue dogs. So we looked at some of the animal rescues. We were actually down in San Diego, California, and looked online and found a picture of this little dog. And it's like, look, this dog is about two hours away from where we are. Lisa goes, well, we're not doing anything. Let's go take a drive. So we drove for two hours to this little uh, animal rescue that was having a, a an adoption day at one of the local pet stores. And we went in. And when Lisa reached over and picked up this little dog, the dog wrapped all four paws around her arm and yeah. would not let go. Yeah, that the was the end of it. You, <laughs> I've yeah. heard that they so do. many times. The dogs choose you. Yeah, they choose you. And this dog chose her. And so while she was holding the dog, or the dog was holding her, I filled out the paperwork and we adopted the little dog. So she's a tiny a terrier and Chihuahua mix. We have never, ever once thought that we would want a small dog because usually small dogs are very yappy, very, yeah. you know, barky and noisy. This dog is silent. She hardly barks at all, hardly makes a noise at all. She's really, really tiny. So we call her mouse because she's like a mouse. She's as quiet as a mouse. She just curls up like a little mouse. And uh, yeah, so she's been a great addition. We got her in San Diego. We drove back across country to Atlanta with her. Perfect little travel companion. 
she would either sit in Lisa's lap or she'd be in her little carrier and she'd curl up and sleep the entire time. Wow. So yeah, it's been a great little addition. Yeah, yeah. And and the good thing is, and, and again, this is a, an issue with Europe uh, and where I live in the UK, because we're a, a small island and we're very protective of our borders generally, uh, particularly when it comes to pets. Taking your dog overseas and then bringing the dog back is just, well, it's not yeah. impossible because we have pet passports now, but it's very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. I know people who have got to the French port of Calais and then they've not been able to bring their dog back because they missed the, the veterinary date right. or didn't get something stamped properly and then they've had to come back to the UK and then three or four days later go back to France to pick up the dog right. and the dog's had to be in quarantine, and which is never that good. So uh, as you imagine, doing it in the US, you're still within the same sort of right. governance side of things. So Absolutely. It's been much yeah. easier to travel, yeah. So it's a lot easier. Plus she's small enough. We can just tuck her into our jacket and drive through. <laughs> no worries. That sounds, that sounds a good plan. So tell us what's next. We've, we've heard about where, where you've been. We've you know, had some lessons that you've learned along the way, some obstacles you've overcome, and uh, hopefully Lisa's uh, okay now as well, because I know mm -hmm. she had a couple of things and some some teeth issues as well. Yeah, yeah. What what's 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 next on Holland and Lisa's uh, bucket list? Um, the adventures will continue. Um, they they may slow down a little bit because I like I said we've been traveling for almost two years now. We've been back and cross. Uh, back and forth across the U.S. Uh, almost three times, I think. There are only three states we haven't actually stayed in. Right. So we've hit every other state within the, the um, well, if you count Hawaii, that would be four, but it's hard to drive to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so at some point, we'll come in off the road and uh, we'll settle back down. That's one thing that we did learn. There, there are pros to what we've done, and I would suggest anybody who works digitally, see if you can do this, even if it's only for a short time. Travel and and sure. do your work from other places it keeps you you know enthused and engaged uh but there are some cons and some of the cons we came to to realize is um the loneliness you know i mean lisa and i love each other and do everything together and we have an amazing time but we don't have the family we don't have the friends yeah. we can't go out and do birthday parties with with friends and stuff because we're on the road we're, we're somewhere else um that was difficult um the uh, driving the long hours right and and that was tough because sometimes we try to travel just six to eight hours each day at the most if we were traveling. But a lot of times we were doing 11, 12 hours because we had to be somewhere by a certain time. That made it tough and just not being able to, yeah. to keep those deep friendships together. Um, so I think we'll probably come in off the road. Uh, we'll probably move back somewhere in the Atlanta area so we're close to family again. Uh, we've always lived within a mile or two of family, Lisa's family here in Atlanta. So we'll probably get back to that and stay somewhere yeah. close so we can kind of do those things again and just kind of get back into the community, you know, get get engaged with the community, engage with our friends and, and doing things. Yeah, but I suppose, um, I think in Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Work Week, he talked about having sort of mini retirements, didn't he? Having those four to six week blocks. And I, you know, I used to do that when I had the construction business, just go away for four weeks and just yeah. see different places. And taking a vacation for a week to two weeks is okay and it's great you know and i'm doing a couple of those next year but actually going away for a month mm -hmm. you stop thinking about what time you need to leave to come back don't you because when you first get there on a trip you, you know you've got the settling in and as soon as you settled in you're then thinking okay we've only got two or three days and we're going to be coming back 
when you're there for a month, it's a completely different feel, isn't it? So is that the plan to do longer but fewer stays, or are you going to do short city break kind of things and keep it short and sweet? What 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 are your thoughts on that? I don't know. We we've got some friends that we'll be house setting for while they go on a, a two month vacation. So that'll be you know one one time. I think we'll do fewer trips, but maybe stay yeah. a little bit longer if we can. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we would always plan out three or four stays in advance, so we knew kind of on the map where we were going. Um, but once you get settled in, you can kind of enjoy the the, the place that you are, right? And yeah. and the the restaurants and the people and everything like that. It's uh, a lot of times on vacation you go to the hotel and that's all you see is things around the hotel. Get out and drive. Get out and, and explore. Yeah. You know, and don't go to the big cities. Go to the small. Find the thing you want to do, and then find a place to stay around that thing. Right. If it's a national park, if it's a, a historic site, whatever. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, as you were talking, now, I was thinking about my vacation. So we're Andrew and I have booked a trip and it's a very special trip because we've never been to, to the Greek islands. We've never been to Corfu. We've tried twice and not got there for various mm. reasons. So we have booked it for next year. And we said we nice. are doing nothing when we get there. It's only for a week. And all we're going to do is just sit in the sun and enjoy being pampered and looked after, having the drinks and the cocktails, yeah. brought to the sun lounger on the beach. And that's it. Um, but I'd love to see more of the, the places. But for that one week, for me, it's about disconnecting. It's just about just being able to switch the brain off at the airport when I leave and switch it back on when I return and not have to worry about anything in between. It's all inclusive. We've got to eat what they give us. We've got to drink what they give us. But you know what? I'm good for that for a week. But a week sure. would be just about enough. If I was going for longer, I definitely want to do what you've yeah. done and see more of the areas. Certainly. Yeah. No, I, I had learned that from a, a, a girlfriend I had way back in high school, way before cell phones or anything like that. But family, when they got ready to go on vacation, the dad would open the uh, glove compartment on the car and they would all put their watches in there. And he'd close and lock that little compartment. He said, from now on, he goes, we're on vacation for two weeks. You get up when you want to get up. You go to sleep when you want to go to sleep. You eat when you yeah. want to eat. There are no times. And uh, I love that. Wow. I love that idea. And so, yeah, at least I would do that. We would find the thing that we wanted to do, find a little place near there, and then we would do day trips out and just go explore it. So. Yeah. Some people listening to this are probably thinking, this is a great story. This is a great example, but it's not for me. You know, I mean, I could feel myself, Harlan, getting tense when you said about taking a watch off. I mean, particularly with my Apple Watch. It's not just my watch, <laughs> is it? It's my communication right. device. But sometimes we do have to do that, don't we? You know, we have to make those different choices. If somebody has the dream of doing something that you've done here, but is hesitant, what would you say to them, other than just do it? Because that's an easy answer, isn't it? But sure. what would you say to them to encourage them or perhaps something they can take away as a lesson you've learned of perhaps just taking that step and doing it? Yeah, start small. You know, like I said, take a, take two weeks and, and go somewhere that you've never been before. Uh, find a little Airbnb or something like that to where you can kind of settle in. And if you're able to work remotely, that's perfect. If you're already retired, even better, right? Yeah. Find something you really love. Like a lot of people will travel the U.S. to visit uh, baseball parks, right? Yeah. Um, the baseball stadiums because they follow all the teams. Some people go for the national parks. We did a lot of uh, cave and cavern exploring around the different states. Find out what it is you like to do. Find one of those local places, go there, spend a couple of weeks and just try it out. 
you know, test it out, start small. Yeah. And I'd add one more thing to that as well, Holland, because, you know, I, I did a similar thing as, as you were talking there. It just reminded me, I used to follow the motorbike racing, mm -hmm. motorcycle racing. So I've been to parts of the world that I would never have gone to before. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I would never have gone to Malaysia. But I wanted to go because it was where the, the motorcycle racing was, was going. And nice. it was late in the season because of the weather. Here in the UK, Europe, you couldn't get there, so I went there. But the thing I want to add to, to what you've just said there is compromise. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to go and watch the motorcycle racing. So we went to Kuala Lumpur. We had the week in the city. But Angela didn't really want just a city break so the compromise was that then we would fly to Penang and have a week of luxury in a hotel and be on the beach uh, etc and sometimes particularly when there's two of you or more you've got to compromise haven't you and what somebody wants somebody else might also want to do and I think part of the success of your journey around is probably some of those compromises that you've yeah. uh, you've made as well and you've reignited my uh, interest I was going to say something different then, but I chose my words carefully of Dolly Parton as well. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, quite a while before this will this recording will go live, uh, it was my birthday, and Holland sent me one of the best gifts, this uh, Dolly Parton singing happy birthday to the coach, uh, which was absolutely fabulous. So uh, I'll make a big thank you of that, Holland, on this, because that sure. was absolutely exceptional. I was sat there, and my sides were bursting. I was laughing that much as I watched it. It was so great. It really was. Um, so if you could give people more of a business tip, okay, something that you, because, you know, this is a business success and coffee podcast, and, you know, what, what you've shared with us is great. From a business point of view, what would you share with people that is going to make something like this possible for other people or better for mm. other people? Hmm. I think after, th thanks to COVID, a lot of businesses realize that you can be productive in a remote environment. Yeah. Um, I would ask people, hey, is there any way that your job could be remote, even part-time? Um, get out of the office. Um, and, and get out and do them some things. Um, one thing my wife taught me, Lisa taught me years ago, if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. So make yourself replaceable, right? Uh, document what you do, how you do it, make sure somebody else knows how to do it. So if you're gone for those two weeks, somebody can step into your role and, and take care of things. It'll help the business be more efficient and business owners, you should be documenting everything you, your team does so that you can have that you know, cross-functionality where people can step in if they need to. Um, but yeah, if, if, if there's any way you can do your job remotely, even a few days a week, do it. Yeah. Do it. And then, yeah, go yeah. on. And I think you said something very important there, Holland, about documenting the processes, you know, because, you know, I, and I work a lot with businesses that are trying to get a sale or investor ready. And the business owner usually is the person clinging on. You know, everybody else in the business takes vacations and they have long vacations very often, but the business owner feels that they can't. And if you get to the point as a business owner where you can't take a month away from your business, then the business really doesn't have as much value as you think it, it has. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Document it and build a business. Not Perhaps not that you can sell, but build a business that, like Tim Ferriss says, that you can take those mini breaks those mini retirements four weeks at a time would be a sure. great thing to do as well and uh, be courageous enough to do yeah. that as well isn't it and absolutely courage yeah definitely uh yeah and i think yeah you're 
your wife Lisa has so many wise sayings, and that's one that I've just written down there <laughs> as as well. So yeah, if you can't be replaced, then uh, you can't be promoted a lot of that. Um, any final thing to share with the listeners before I ask the last question? Um, no, I just if you ever get the wild bug and want to come exploring the U.S., come on over. We'll we'll take you around to some of the, our favorite places. Oh, um, with us on our list, yeah. and vice versa. We don't have <laughs> we don't have the extent of history that that uh, Britain does. But we have a, ni- a lot of nice historical areas up and down the East Coast and, and throughout the U.S. So, yeah, come on over. We'll take you around. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, we're definitely, we're, that is going to happen. At some time, that is going to happen. No doubt about it. Um, so if you were going to have your next coffee in your, uh, your flask there in a dream location, one that you haven't been to yet, okay? Mm. So you mentioned a couple of states that you haven't been to. That might be my choice. I don't know. But if you're going to have that coffee in a dream location, where would that dream location be? Hmm. Wow. Uh, where would it be? Honestly, one place we didn't really get to, to go to was Yellowstone National Park. Okay. I would love to have a cabin out in the middle of Yellowstone and sit out on the front porch with my coffee and just watch nature come by. I think that'd be awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. You've already been a guest on the podcast already, so you join the elite of, uh, of having a second, second episode on the podcast. But also thank you for sharing such a an amazing insight into your story in this, the last episode of the series. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always, to talk to you, but to share such great insights with the listeners as well. And I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed your podcast over the years, Simon, and I can't wait for the new one when you're interviewing the authors. I think that's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be hard because these people are hard to pin down unless you've got uh, you know the visibility that they want. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. But uh, I'm going to be very specific and very persuasive, fingers crossed. And as Definitely. always, listeners, all you need to do is leave a review. Tell us what you thought, not just of this episode, but any other episodes. And of course, there are 250 odd other episodes that you can go and listen to. So don't just think, oh, I'll listen to the last two or three. Go back to some of the early ones and listen through them all again or pick out the ones that have the topics that are good for you. And as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to do these podcasts, share with you the lessons and the insights. And I trust that it's giving you amazing value. Thanks, Harlan, once again for being a great friend, a great client and a great guest and listeners. Thanks for listening, and I will catch up with you very soon in some way. Awesome. Thanks, Simon. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, and Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.